I have perfected smoked pastrami, full details. And Bill Gates, that geeky, nerdy founder of Microsoft, who knew the guy was a pussy hound? Bold Alpha is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Nicaraguan series. Loaded with all Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa Farms, the Gurkha Nicaraguan series is the fullest-bodied cigar in the Gurkha portfolio. Peppery, spicy, and rich, while maintaining absolute smoothness. Add the Gurkha Nicaraguan series to your humidor. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and buy Davidoff of Geneva, makers of Camacho and the Camacho Corojo, built with authentic Honduran Corojo to deliver a bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Prepare for the intensity with Camacho Corojo. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. While there may be a fuel shortage in the eastern half of the United States because of the pipeline cyber attack, there is no shortage of fuel to load up into the hopper of my Camp Chef pellet smoker. I will tell you about my latest adventure, but first up, Greetings and salutations, as always, a snappy salute it is. Alpha Dave, your global five-star general, Alpha Male-in-Chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha, and I welcome you to Bold Alpha, your home of Alpha Male lifestyle conversation and commentary. When we talk about the Alpha Male lifestyle, yes, we talk about spirits. Yes, we talk about cigars. Yes, we talk about travel, and we talk about good life maneuvers, and part of that is grilling, smoking, enjoying quality, tasty, dead animal products. My latest foray into being a pit master is doing really, to me, I've mastered brisket. That was easy. But I've had this, just this tremendous desire to make Katz's-style pastrami. Now, if you've never been to Katz's Deli in New York on Houston Street, Lower East Side, that is, I think, one of the oldest delis in New York. I think it is the oldest deli in New York. goes way back to the 1800s. I think the late 1800s, if I'm not mistaken. And pastrami, you know, people sometimes don't really know the entire story with pastrami. It goes back to Romania, where basically... People in Romania, primarily Romanian Jews, they did not have the money for great cuts of meat. So what did they do? They took the toughest, cheapest, most difficult to tame cut of meat on the cow, the brisket, and they turned it into absolute delicacy. So, corned beef, pastrami, you can't go wrong. You go to any of the delis, you get their brisket, you get corned beef, you get pastrami. Sergeant Steve, I know that when we were at the Cigar Retailers Convention a few years back, we both made the pilgrimage over to the Mirage to go to the Carnegie Deli. Yes. Now, I realize that you are, being from Ohio, from Cincinnati, that that uh, certainly you enjoy your chili on spaghetti. 
But there is a great deli in Cincinnati called Izzy's. Absolutely. All right. Known for their pastrami, their corned beef, their potato pancakes. Oh, delicious. Can't, absolutely delicious. So, Sergeant Steve, what is your preference when you go to a deli? What I love meat preference. I love salami. Oh, Sergeant Steve, you're killing me. I am. Salami. You can't do that on a smoker. Come on. No, no. I, I, what you ask when I go to a deli. Uh, salami is my favorite type of meat in a deli. No, Have you I, ever had Katz's dried salami that, that they hang? I don't think I've had Katz's, no. Okay, you go into Katz's and they've got all these salamis hanging mm-hmm. that are cased encased uh, from the ceiling. And basically, it goes back to World War II. They used to, they've always been known for their salami as well. They have regular salami and the dried mm-hmm. salami where they just let it sit there for like six months and it dries. So it's a little harder. And their uh, uh, slogan used to be, send a salami to your boy, uh, you know, World War II. And that was very big. And you could go and donate salamis. So like when my grandfather would go down to New York, he'd always buy umpteen cats of salamis to bring back with him to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. But he would buy umpteen salamis to send over, you know, to our troops, uh, you know, across the world. But they are known for their salami. Excellent salami. So if it weren't salami, Sergeant Steve, what would be your second favorite cut of deli meat? That'd be pastrami. Pastrami. So what Katz's is so unique because it just the way they make their pastrami and smoke their pastrami is fantastic. What they do, is, first of all, people don't realize that usually you start off with corned beef. No, you have to start off with a corned beef, whether it is either a brisket or it is what's called the beef plate, the beef navel, the beef belly. Now, Katz's, for their corned beef, uses brisket. For their pastrami, they use the beef navel, navel or the, what's called the beef plate. So people don't realize that the process to make pastrami always begins with making corned beef. And that is you take a liquid brine and you start off with water. You then add about a cup to a cup and a half of kosher salt, cup of either brown sugar or regular sugar, garlic. Usually you can use 10, 15, 20 cloves. Then you put some coriander, and then there's some other seasonings, some cinnamon sticks, um, just a whole bunch of other seasonings. You stir it, you put it in a bucket, and you put it in the refrigerator. Now, normally for corned beef, you'll let that sit for about a week to two weeks. Katz's for their pastrami does, I believe, three weeks. And then what they do is they pull that pastrami out. They then send it over to get smoked, low smoke, like 80 degrees over three days. They smoke it, gets that nice brown color, that nice bark on it. Then they send it back to Katz's Deli. It's refrigerated. And then when they're ready to serve it, they boil it for three hours, and then they put it on steamers for 15 minutes where the world-renowned cutters slice the pastrami. Well, I wanted to do I've, – I've experimented with several pastrami's, but I took a full packer brisket, about a 16-pound brisket. I trimmed it down, got rid of some of the fat, did a lot of trimming, just made it a very nice-looking brisket. At that point – I put it in my brine, not for one week, not for two weeks, not for three weeks. I was going to take it out after four weeks, but you can go as long as you You can actually go to about eight weeks if you want, probably longer. Not going to hurt. Oh, there's also sodium nitrite you put in there. It's pink salt. It's called a, a prog salt, not for human consumption straight up. You don't put that salt on your food. 
basically that's a preserving agent. And you put four teaspoons, five teaspoons, that's it. That's what gives the corned beef or pastrami that pink color while preserving it, while it's in the bucket, while it is, it is brining or pickling. I kept it in Sergeant's Tea for seven weeks. So last Sunday, last weekend, I said, that's it. It is now time for me to break out the pastrami. So what did I do? I pulled it out. I then put it into another bucket of cold ice water. I dumped all the brine, basically, and I use a liner. One little trick for those of you that are pit masters, want to grill, barbecue. I bought this brining bucket. It's called the briner. And it's got a nice little plastic uh, plate that goes on top. You can adjust it so the meat stays submerged. But what I do not do is I don't put the brine solution or water directly in the bucket. I use a liner. Bought them on Amazon. It's great. This way, when I'm done, I throw it out. I don't have to clean anything. So I got rid of the liner, dumped all the the brining solution out. I then replaced the uh, liner in the bucket filled it with cold water, and while I was doing that, I basically, for about two, three minutes, I just rinsed the, now corned beef, started as brisket, becomes corned beef, just rinsed it for about three minutes all the way around, and then I put it in water. Why? I wanted to suck out some of the salt. I personally do not like eating corned beef or pastrami, where the second you're done, you're you're bloated with about five gallons of water weight because of the salt, and you got to drink for the next three days because it was so salty. I don't want that. So I put it in the fresh water, in the bucket, back in the refrigerator for about eight hours, dumped the water, replaced the water for about another four hours. That evening, Saturday evening, I then... Took the, dumped all the water out, and I dried the, the corned beef, and then I seasoned it with fresh cracked peppercorns, fresh coriander seeds. Cracked them both, put a ton on there. Now, you can also put garlic powder if you want. Some people put onion powder. You can put brown sugar. I didn't. I just did the traditional black peppercorns and coriander seeds. Cracked them. Loaded up both sides, put it back in the refrigerator uncovered overnight. The next morning, I fired up my pellet smoker using 100% oak, 250 degrees. Put a water pan in the smoker. Maintain the moisture, but I don't spray it. Sometimes with brisket, when it gets a little dry, you spray it with water or Worcestershire or it can be apple cider vinegar, whatever you want. No spraying whatsoever. Fat side up, just let it sit. Shut it, and then probably about five hours later, I checked it. Temperature was probably about 150. Bark was forming nicely. At around the seven-hour mark, checked it. Temperature was about 175. Nice bark all the way around. I pulled it off. I then wrapped it in butcher paper. Get it over the stall. So butcher paper compared to foil, it retains the bark while still allowing the heat to, that nice juiciness inside the meat, allows the vapors to escape, wrapped it, put it back on, and up the temperature to 275, set my temperature probes for internal temperature of 205. I like taking it, some people say 203, I take it a little bit higher. 205, 206, not going to hurt it. Get my alarm, 9 hours, 45 minutes later. I checked it with my super accurate uh, probe, my temperature probe, 205. 
205 in areas to 206. Perfect. Pulled it off. Now, sometimes people say put it in a cooler for two hours. Continue to let it rest. I don't do that. The problem when you put it in a cooler, it retains too much heat. And the problem is it keeps cooking so you can get tough meat. You want it juicy and tender. Put it right on the counter. Let it sit for one hour. That's it. By the time I probed it one hour later, the temperature came down to about 140 degrees. And then I unwrapped it and voila. Magnificent, succulent, juicy pastrami out of this world. It was a super hit. I've got pictures that we will post on our social media sites, on our Cigar Dave and Bold Alpha social media sites, uh, uh, at Cigar Dave Show for Twitter, at Bold, uh, Sergeant Steve, it's what? At Bold Alpha for Twitter, correct? At Bold Alphas, plural. Oh, at Bold Alphas for Twitter. And we'll also put it at CigarDave.com and on Facebook so you can't, you'll be able to catch it. But when you see the pictures and you see the video, Sergeant Steve, you saw it. What was your impression? I'm upset I, you haven't brought me any yet. Here's the problem. I started, I had my neighbors I brought some over to. Then I prepared a package for another friend. And then word got around that it was fantastic. So I had a couple other calls. Gone. Now I'm going to brine several others. But now I'm not going to use the brisket. I'm going to use the beef navel. I've got a couple of ordered. Actually, like three ordered. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm not going to brine it for six weeks. Actually, you can get away with a week. To me, two weeks is optimal. If you do two weeks, you're in great shape. That's what I will do, and I will give you an entire one, Sergeant Steve, when it is done. But absolutely fantastic. My brisket, brisket is the toughest of all meats. Ribs are easy. It's brisket that is the, Sergeant Steve, you've got a big green egg. Have you done a full packer brisket on the big green egg? I have. It came and out okay. It wasn't great. I what, need, I why, need to... why do you think it didn't come out great? I think I, I think I cooked it a little too long. Left it on a uh, little too long. What temperature did you cook it at? It's been a, it's been a, a while. I think it was I think I was doing it at two two fifty. It was kind of hovering between two fifty two seventy five. Yeah, that's fine. Two fifty to two seventy five. Yeah. Two twenty five to two fifty. You can certainly do that. It's not going to hurt it. Two fifty to me is just the sweet spot. If you do it two fifty. Mm-hmm. Now, did you wrap your brisket at all? Slightly. Not probably. Maybe I needed to wrap it more. Yeah. Did you use foil or butcher paper? Uh, foil. Okay, so next time you do it, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spice it up properly. Then we're going to put it in the refrigerator overnight uncovered. And then you're going to get your big green egg up to 250. We're going to maintain 250 and use uh, – what do you use in there? Use some wood along with charcoal, correct? Uh, depending on what I'm uh, – yeah, I mean, if I'm smoking something, I use wood, absolutely. But Okay, use oak. Oak is by far the absolute best. Some people will use some hickory or mesquite. Oak, to me, is classic, just imparts a nice flavor. Fat side up on there, Sergeant Steve. Yes. And basically, you just, after, you want to put a water pan in there, too. That is the key. That maintains moisture within, you know, the heating unit, mm-hmm. within the smoker. And then if it's a little dry in areas, but at 250, it really shouldn't get dry. And when it hits about 170 internal and you see that nice dark bark, mm-hmm. then you wrap it. And then basically just keep it at 250, 275 until you hit 205 internal, and uh, that'll be it. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on your brisket skills, fear not. But the pastrami off the chart. I did, the first time I did pastrami, I did it like Katz's. 
I took it off at 175, put it in the refrigerator. I boiled it for a couple hours. Then I, I steamed it for about 15 minutes. It was good, but I found it was just even more tender and had that nice... Not over-the-top smoky flavor, but just fantastic all the way around. And what I loved about it, it wasn't over-garlicky. It wasn't over-peppery or coriandery. It just had a nice balance all the way around, which is exactly what you want, and it wasn't overly salty. So we'll post pictures of my award-winning pastrami from the Bold Alpha Barbecue Pitmaster. Dave, I've got to add that title. And actually, I had Grandma Ida's pastrami recipe. And that is the key, and it's been passed down for multiple generations. Colonel Ange did it. I now have done it off the charts. So I'm now a master pit master. That's kind of a dual redundant. Pit master with a speciality, as they say in Britain, of pastrami. Cannot go wrong. If you are looking to add a full-flavored cigar to your portfolio of cigars to enjoy, I've got the perfect selection for you. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series. It is loaded with Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series features a Corojo 99 Nicaraguan wrapper, dual Corojo 99 binders, and Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 long fillers. The result, a super full-flavored cigar with loads of pepper, loads of spice, very rich, while maintaining absolute smoothness the entire time. Try the Gurkha Nicaraguan series. Add it to your portfolio. Add it to your humidor. You will be in for a super Nicaraguan puro cigar treat. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. For six decades, Camacho has been working hard to build the best damn cigars around. Perfecting, preserving the authentic Corojo seed, that's the foundation of the Camacho blends. They talk about strength and character, and that is in Camacho's DNA. And so is the Camacho Corojo cigar. Complex, flavorful, no compromises. It is bold, it is rich, it is tasty. And it's built using wrapper, binder, and filler that is grown and harvested in the legendary Hamastron Valley in Honduras. A fifth priming wrapper, deep, dark, rich, three primings in the filler. What you get is a cigar strikingly dark in appearance. Camacho Corojo makes a statement with intensity. That's backed up by cedar and earthy notes. A bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. All right, finally, got to talk about Bill Gates. As you know, his wife, Melinda, 27 years of marriage, files for divorce. But apparently, she started seeking out divorce lawyers in 2019, worried and haunted by the fact that Bill Gates was starting to get buddy-buddy with Jeffrey Epstein. And we know that Epstein, total problem child. Odd, bizarro, absolutely wacko. In fact, I am convinced Jeffrey Epstein's profession was blackmailing wealthy business people, wealthy executives, entrepreneurs, so that he basically found a way to supposedly, air quotes here, manage their money, not buying it for a second. Nobody knew him on Wall Street. He basically got them in compromising positions with underage boys and girls and then had the video, 
and magically, amazingly, starts managing millions of dollars for all these wealthy, wealthy business people, industrialist executives. Very odd. Well, it turns out, when you look at Bill Gates, even from the time when he was a young kid, the guy looked geeky. You know, he kind of talks like Kermit the Frog, and he was very geeky. The sweater, you know, the button-down shirt just looked kind of like a geek. Well, apparently, Bill Gates was an absolute pussyhound. It seems he was notorious for throwing naked pool parties with strippers and being a womanizer even after meeting his future wife, Melinda. In his inner circle, he was known for having some wild parties at his Seattle home. He used to hang out and visit Seattle's all-nude nightclubs, hire dancers to come to his house, swim naked with his friends in his indoor pool, and I'm sure some other horizontal maneuver liaisons as well. And apparently it was a continuation from his time at Harvard. He didn't graduate from Harvard. He dropped out, where he used to frequent Boston's notorious combat zone with uh, its strip joints, hookers, paid female accompaniment, if you will. And the newspapers, apparently the press knew about this, but the reason they never reported on it is because they were always looking to get spoon-fed stories about Microsoft. And let's face it, Microsoft was the darling of the tech world for many, many years. Before there was Google and Facebook, it was Microsoft. And apparently, even while he was married, he used to like to play the field. And his wife was very aware of Gates's womanizing even after they started dating. And here's another weird deal. Apparently, he used to date this older gal named Anne Winblad. I think she was, I don't know, 8, 10 years older than him. That they continued, it was part of his marriage agreement. Now, he supposedly didn't have a prenuptial. But Melinda agreed that he could continue having weekends away from Melinda with this Anne Winblad in North Carolina after they were married. A little bit on the odd side. So who would have thought Bill Gates was an absolute pussyhound? But apparently after he did get married, he was proud of the fact that he had kind of straightened up. But I'll guarantee you now that he's divorced or getting divorced, you can be sure that he will be a hound again looking for anything that walks on two legs. Who would have thought Bill Gates... That little geeky guy was a hound for hot female tail. All right, as always, don't forget, if you enjoy cigars, check out Cigar Dave's Officers Club. You get three great cigars shipped to you every month for May. We've got a selection featuring two Gurkha Trentas, two limited sizes, very tough to get, and a Gurkha Reserva Real, a nice, mild to medium creamy cigar. For all the information, go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars shipped directly to you. Alpha Dave, your global five-star general alpha male-in-chief, saying enjoy the alpha male lifestyle. Hey, be like Bill. Be a hound for hot tail. Nothing wrong with that. Every alpha should have a harem. Live it up. Live it up.